Uh, welcome to another episode of the Miseducation of Recuminated Podcast. Uh, I always start tired and out of breath because I end up <laughs> taking forever to set everything up. Um, my guest today, I have Alexia Liavas here. Uh, I introduce them not as my guests who they are, but who they are to me. Uh, Alexia, I, f- I first met you as the coach of Thousand Oaks uh, All Male, but now, which I, is kind of the meat of what I want to talk about, you're the owner of Aspire Dance Studio, which is yes. where we are now. Um, and I feel like that's all you can do when you're a studio owner, is be a studio owner, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Nobody tells you that before you do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was your... Because I feel like um, I when I graduated high school, knew, knowing that I was going to do something related to dance, my plan was... Um, I knew I was either going to be a dance teacher or I was going to be a dance studio owner, mm-hmm. knowing that, like, those are the same thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you start your studio? <laughs> so I started my studio because I just always kind of had a vision of what I would want to do if it was on my own. And at some point when I was coaching... I would say a few years in, I just started getting the idea and like whispers in my head of, ooh, one day open a studio. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't know if that's my path. And it just kind of kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, And I taught at so many other studios. And it's kind of, you take things, you see things, you take things of, oh, I love how this person is doing this or this person's doing that, or I would do that totally different. And it just seemed like such an amazing, um, just dream to, to see what it would be like if I could just create what I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, because I feel like the dream for having a dance studio went away for me when I started to... Get, the more involved that I got at dance studios, if I had been at a place for like more than a few years, the more I was like, oh, this seems either so hard or so terrible or more stress than fun or whatever. Did you did you have an idea of like, oh, no. when you see the, the struggle of it, did it make you go, this makes me want to do it a different way? Or did it like, did you think, oh, this is easy, I can do that? Okay, or? so the one of the studios I was working at, um, towards the end of that, that season when I decided I was going to open my own I just was very honest with that studio owner so that she knew what was happening I didn't want anyone to think that I was bringing students with me or taking students away which sometimes that's how other studios open they they break Mm -hmm. away from where they're currently working um and do their own but um I so I told her and at the time um there were several years I kind of had health issues and had chronic fatigue syndrome and was like sick all the time and just kind of had uh, trouble just with my health. And when I was telling her, she was like, are you sure <laughs> this is way more work than you think it's going to be? And I'm like in my head, oh, that's because, you know, I would do things totally differently and I'd be so efficient and everything will be so easy. And she's like, No, you literally work from like 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day. Are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I got it. And I'm like, why does she work from 9 a.m. to 10 Mm -hmm. (laughs) p.m. every day? She must make too much work for herself. And 
she was right. And I think if I had believed her or known more of that end of it, I always just knew the end of it of creating and teaching, choreographing, coming in, doing that. I didn't really do behind-the-scenes stuff um, at any of the studios really that much. Um, And I loved that part of it. And I was like, how cool would that be to do that without somebody telling me, choose these costumes, use this music, this is our recital theme, teach like this. I was like, oh, how great would would it be? I really had no idea what I was getting into with all the other stuff. And if I had, I might have not. So it was kind of good to just like jump in and not know what I was doing and be naive about all of it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I I think. um... (laughs) It is on every level. And I don't know if this is a dance studio or just owning a business. Mm. Because my sister and her husband, um, they just like a couple weeks ago had their two year anniversary of their when they started their own business Mm -hmm. and I see them kind of going through some of the same things that I went through and they are like business people that's what they do um and I just thought it was not having business experience but I think just owning your own business is always going to be you're either 110% in or it's not gonna work right yeah I I I think the main thing that made me realize, it made me realize like right now, I don't have the, I would say, maturity it takes to own a business because you, from what I have seen from either other studio owners or studios in general, like you have to consider the fact that like students have to keep coming back or you can't survive. So like I feel like, especially me, and you know how I teach hip hop and I know I've been in places where that has not been received well because it's a more, uh, it's not a commercial version of hip hop, right? So when a studio owner sees my version of hip hop, I could totally understand why they're like, well, this isn't as like lucrative as uh, something that you would get at a convention or something like that. It's an interesting thing because I have equally, before opening the studio, I equally spent time teaching, um, even from when I lived in Colorado, Um, teaching at studios and coaching dance teams Mm -hmm. I've always done both so kind of been involved in the school realm and in the studio realm yes in the school realm you're pretty much always gonna have students that are feeding in because that's what you have but I have also seen school programs completely die out Mm -hmm. from students not being interested so there is that but being a teacher or a coach, you're always going to have, like, your paycheck is going to come in. And that is a huge amount of pressure owning a business of there is no guarantee for your paycheck or all the paychecks that I'm writing for everybody else. Right. And that was a huge thing during COVID, too, that I was, like, adamant I'm doing anything that I need to do to make sure to keep this going because people are counting on me. Mm-hmm for their livelihood it's it's a different level of responsibility because now people are counting on me for their livelihood Mm -hmm. and they're the first few years of owning the studio and there have been other times i paid everyone else and i there was nothing left to pay myself right and then it's a decision of like do you keep going Mm -hmm. 
and you keep pushing through this to see if it's going to work out? Why? Do you take the risks? Every single season is a risk. Why do you Every think, like, maybe is. in the first the first time that you're like, oh, I'm not making any money, like, why do you think you didn't stop? Like, why did you keep going? Oh, because I believed in my dream. Yeah. It's like everything I teach all, my, all the kids. Like, I'm a hypocrite if I don't keep going just because I didn't succeed the first year, second year. And that doesn't even mean not succeeding. It just might be like you're taking the steps towards it's just part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of COVID, I feel like the the thing, because when COVID happened, I wasn't like, I feel like I was gone enough from Thousand Oaks that like I didn't even really have a connection to like what all the studios were doing. But on the outside looking in, um, you guys kind of like led the charge and like were the ones that set the example, which I think you guys, I, at least to me, you guys have always been like the baby studio where the newest yeah. and like, yeah, um, yeah it, the, to see you guys do the whole, because you guys started with the, the outside uh, studio and yeah. you guys constructed, you guys had parents construct that, yeah. right? Yeah. So you had parents help out and then news stations are coming and yeah. like checking you guys out <laughs> to so say like, crazy. how are these dancers still going? Um, what was that Real like? That, <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, so when, when we had to shut down and we went to Zoom, I, I'm just someone who like, if, if a problem arises, I, and this might actually be to fault, I don't kind of just let it sit there and sink in. Sometimes I should to be have a little more clarity, but mm-hmm. I usually just like, I need to handle this right now because right. otherwise it just keeps stressing me out. So for that, it was like, oh, it, at first the schools were saying a week, two weeks, and then we're like, this is it. Uh, okay, we're going to be home for quite a while now. So um, me and Kelsey and Maggie, we worked that, those work days were insane mm-hmm. for like two weeks straight. Like that was like eight in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, getting everything ready and getting it all set up. So we did, and it was great. Um, and then they, the, the LA County let us come back in with all the new regulations. We got everything set up. We held our June intensive. And then in July, they shut down fitness studios and we were part of that sector. Mm-hmm. Um, except for you could do outdoor operations. So we were we were getting ready for our August intensive, and we're like, we can't do this on Zoom again. And actually, it was another local studio. It was the house that I saw mm-hmm. on their Instagram that they were building an outdoor floor. So I contacted some of the dance parents, and um, Dan, um, one of them was like, yeah, I think we can, let's, he's like, I'm just going to go over there at night and just check out, like, what it's made out of. I think I can figure out how to make it. So we had this huge parking lot back here, which um, we moved, we had moved to this location just six months before. So that was super lucky because mm-hmm. our old location had yeah. no parking. Yeah. At, like, that's, at all. It's funny that you say that that's lucky because I also thought so, of that as like, so, ooh. You just moved to a bigger space, and then COVID happens, and now you're... It was like, it was like right. both. Like, first it was like, oh, how am I going to pay this rent? Yeah. How are we going to do all this? We have this, yeah, this space. We were trying to just build our classes again for moving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with the outdoor thing, we literally... I'm not afraid to just kind of, like, bullshit things and make it up <laughs> as we go along. Yeah. So that was that. We had intensive out there. We thought we were going to be there for 
July and August. And then we were out there. We just kept being out there and built it bigger because at first it was smaller. Then we added the mirrors and we added the mm. other floors. Then we made bars that could stay outside, like the speakers we had. Um, we had outdoor heaters for the winter time. We had <laughs> lights. We had huge, like, warehouse lights out there. We had everything. It was a huge operation. But I just remember at the end of the summer, some of the parents were like, this is just so cool. You could do a Halloween thriller class out here. Wouldn't it be so cool if you held dance competitions out here? And so all these, it was almost like a, an opportunity for just new ideas and new growth and things just kind of like thinking outside the box which yeah. was really cool it was stressful and it was crazy and it was all new but then also i mean we I, we literally oh how cool would it be to have dance competitions here yeah and then like a month later i get a phone call from stephanie from west coast elite mm-hmm. and she's like hey, so I don't think we're going to be allowed to really be inside for this season. And I know you have your outdoor space. Um, do you feel comfortable if we do our competitions there? And then if we have, you know, the whole thing. So we set that up. And that was, to me, that was the greatest thing. I'd be here on the weekends. And um, they had they, they were here for like six weeks straight, six, oh, seven wow. weeks straight. Um, and just seeing like the teams and the kids coming here from there were kids from studios there were kids from high school teams just like being able to be together and dance yeah even if it was raining or windy or cold or hot or whatever the day was um it was was just so cool so just being able to provide the opportunity through that adversity i didn't even realize it's so interesting from like your outside perspective you're like oh yeah you guys were kind of the leaders of all that i didn't even think of it on those terms we just thought of it as we can't go back to zoom what are we going to do to make it happen and all the teachers were so great they showed up in their we had our poofy vests and gloves and we would have (laughs) like we would make like hot chocolate and tea and bring it out to them while they were teaching um just everyone kind of like dove all the way like all the way in with okay let's make it work we're gonna make it work together yeah i think uh, i felt like um different places uh, like like you said they had to like try their different things in order to like innovate to yeah. to say it. I don't even think I think looking back at it I don't I mean, maybe you can speak for yourself too but I it didn't even look like staying alive in terms of like keeping the business up it was more just staying alive in terms of like like you're saying how do we create a, a happy place for kids to come and be mm-hmm. and like for I'm sure for as a senior That's like it's all, important for you to feel that way too yeah it's always what drove it um it, I think we realized it partway during COVID just what a big impact it was to be together as a group as mm-hmm. a team the teachers the kids the parents because we would do these um zoom like team bonding things and I remember at the end of one of them, it was probably in like April or May, the older kids just kept saying, oh, we miss each other so much. Can't we just come to the parking lot at the studio and just sit in our cars six feet apart and just like <laughs> hang out? And we we did. Yeah. We went to the parking lot and parents came with their kids and everyone like parked their cars backward or parked their cars, popped open their trunks. We all sat in our trunks like... 
waving at each other mm-hmm. and hung out. And I think that was kind of the big realization of this isn't just to keep going. It uh, The foremost thought in my mind wasn't even to keep going as a business. It was like, everybody needs this. Yeah. And how do we make it just as magical under all these circumstances? And in some ways, it might have even been a little more magical. Yeah, oh, I definitely think so. I think the... Um... Like people, you well, we were well, when I was here, uh, what last week? Whenever yeah. I was here, uh, and then we were briefly talking about the outside studio space. You were saying that people still want to use it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think it's. Yeah. It's so. It's. It showed you that there's a different way to do what we do all the time. Yes. And I think it when we didn't have the option to do the normal way, and the other ways popped up, it was like, oh man, like people will really do like everything they can to still dance and still like be. In a community I like also, I just love being outdoors, and uh, it was always like a pipe dream to have an outdoor dance space. Yeah. Um, at the old studio, I sometimes used to take my tap class upstairs with these little pieces of Marley, like right outside the door by the little bench outside, just to like dance outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so when this came about, it was from necessity, but it was also like, I've also always really wanted to do this and it's really cool. Yeah. We, that was a a class I took in college was like, uh, dance locations where like the dance class wasn't different, but like you had to do it. We, I think every class we like went to a different place on campus and it changes a lot to be in a different space. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, I've only really heard it a couple times, but I love it just because I love Kelsey so much. But, um, how I guess a couple of questions. One, how did Kelsey fall into your lap because she's amazing? And then also, what story. is it like? I feel like you have Kelsey and Maggie and I mean others as well, but like having it sounds so different to have like a crew of people that are committed and dedicated to yeah. keeping the business afloat rather than just like it being all up to you know what's so interesting actually so I follow some um there's all kinds of different businesses and organizations that are um, there to coach dance studios from the business perspective. Mm -hmm. So one of them that I follow on Instagram, they just posted a few days ago, like a meme of studio studio owners begging their dance teachers to come back in the fall. And I looked at it and I was like, what? (laughs) Begging their dance teachers to come back in the fall. I was like, I've never had to beg anyone to come back. And then I was like, is that a thing? Like, mm. that, that, that studio owners, I've been, um, I've been told, I don't know, I hear from teachers that they really like working here, and I hear all the time that they, that the environment feels different, that the dance, yeah. the students feel different, um, and I, I think that's because the base of my vision then kind of creates the environment and trickles up from there um but for me i generally just hire people that i know yeah it's it feels more um like i can trust i know who they are as people i know what they're about which to me is like the first and foremost most yeah, important yeah. thing in hiring a teacher um and kind of how they're gonna work i I have in the last few years. So Kelsey actually is one of the um, 
one of the exceptions to that. So she actually came in opening weekend. At, we had free classes. I think you were at those classes. We had right, free right. classes at the studio, and she knew somebody that I had teaching at that opening weekend that I had known. And she came in with her resume and came, introduce, came in to introduce herself in person, like shook my hand, said, Hi, I'm Kelsey. I just graduated from college. Blah, blah, UCLA blah, blah. Dance, UCLA dance, yes. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, I can't even tell you how many emails of resumes and headshots mm. and videos and links that I get all the time. So even before I opened the studio, still to this day, like 50 a year probably. Oh, I wow. don't know. Um, people just send their stuff in. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody besides Kelsey has ever walked in the door, given a resume, shook my hand, introduced herself. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, cool. You're good. Yep. I'll hire. I, I didn't really need anyone to teach. So I was like, sure. I'll give you a class. Like you hired so her I gave on the spot. Her a class. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it was on the spot or if I called her like later, but mm-hmm. she started teaching right when the studio opened, but I gave her one class. And then the ballet teacher we had at the time um, ended up booking uh, halfway through the year to go work at Tokyo Disney. So then Kelsey took took over those ballet classes. And then slowly it was like, okay, we're going to add more classes. And then after the first year... Um, it was like, oh, her choreography was really cool for her modern dance in mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, let me have her work with company a little bit. And it just kind of grew from there. And then Maggie happened to be Kelsey's good friend from growing up. And she actually started, um, I used to have an adult company and we would dance. And then I, I created a show and Maggie was in the adult company. So that's how she, and she was in it because she knew Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got to know her. And then she started teaching a couple baby classes. um, And then just more and more from there. But I would say the majority of people I, like, personally either have taught or know. Yeah. Or know somebody who has recommended them. But in the past two years, I have hired a few people unknowingly. And it has happened to work out. But... I think the dance, I mean, the, everybody always says the dance community is so small, and I think on, like, a global scale, definitely. But also, I mean, like, the Thousand Oaks dance community, we have, like, five studios here. Yeah. Um, and I, I even, I, I've, heard, I've said this before, and I think that my students think that I'm joking, but I truly think that if Thousand Oaks, like, Westlake, Agora, like, this mm-hmm. area, probably has the best dancers in the world. Like, oh, yeah. but uh, if you were to, to narrow it down to like a region, yeah. probably like up yeah. there yeah, because yeah. like everybody has access to a dance studio with people that are good. Yep. Everybody has the money to spend on a dance studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the high schools have really nice programs. Like mm-hmm. there's like dance is very, very like big yeah, here. It is. Um, so I feel like it's uh, like when you just said that uh, you only are you hire people that you know, I feel like at this point you have to because yeah. you know everybody yeah. <laughs> like you don't really yeah, have a, a choice yeah. if you hear somebody that you've never met before you're like that's weird like yeah. how long have you been here how have I not it's met mostly you? the people that i've hired that i haven't known are actually from not not in the area yeah they're one like, was they from, from florida chicago or one yeah, was yeah. from norcal and now this year one is going to be she um she's from nevada but just graduated yeah in Ari- in arizona so yeah, yeah that you're right <laughs> 
It's funny. But I, I do think, and I, I've told, I told you this years ago, it's so cool that because of the way, of the culture, I guess, behind dance regarding, like, this region, you would think that, like, I mean, I, again, you're a studio owner, so I have no idea. I'm looking, <laughs> looking at the outside. But you would think that, like, it would be super competitive and, like, everybody hates each other and there's drama. But I feel like everybody... I, I've taught at... One of them doesn't exist anymore, but I've taught at four total studios. Uh, actually, no, five. I've taught at five studios um, in this kind of region. And I feel like all of them are good, but all of them are so different. Different. So totally. if you're... If you have a kid that wants to come dance, like... I, I mean, every parent or, like, sometimes uh, when I was at Newbury Park, um, parent, like, high school parents would ask me, like, what do you think? What do you think? And I would, even if I was working at only one or if I was working at two, like, I would always say, like, um, go try all of them because, yeah. like, they're all great and yeah. they all have very different cultures and you're probably yeah. just going to like one better than the other. Yeah. And that's fine. And then I, it's not even a situation where, like, I say that and then, like, 90% of them go here or like 90% yeah. you know it's literally everybody ends up kind of falling where, where they're they supposed to go feel the best yeah I think that took me a while to figure out um for me I always wanted to create like a camaraderie between studio owners and I have with some mm -hmm. and some kind of don't want anything to yeah. do with that um but I it took me about three or four years to realize this will be the perfect place for some people and it will not be right. the right place for some people depending on what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And I used to um, get really upset or down on myself if we had people dance with us for any certain amount of time and then choose to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, but then, I yeah, I've really come to realize... I've, what you're saying every studio has its own environment its own vibe its own you know different things that they offer and everyone's going to end up where it's the best place for them yeah and there's plenty of people who want to dance for every studio to be able to thrive and do well and you know have a really great community so that's an interesting um my parents actually owned a business growing up, and their biggest thing was always, like, their competitors, their competitors, mm. their competitors. And I tried to just put that out of my mind. Like, if anything, I'll look to other studios for, ooh, oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to try that. That sounds so fun. Or, um, you know, more, like, for inspiration right. than, oh, they're doing that. Oh, right, no. Right, right. Um, what's going to happen to us now? I don't know. Yeah. Kind of more look at or or yeah, that's cool. That's a good idea for them. I don't, you know, that's yeah. not really something that I'm interested in doing. It's interesting because I, as an outsider, and my belief on like hip hop. Um, do you know PD? Have you met PD before? Yeah, I know who he is, but I don't think I've actually okay. met him. We we had a we've talked a lot about this. How it's sad that there's not a um, unified hip hop community around here. It's wild because. Everywhere else in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because hip-hop is really, really my probably greatest love of dance. Mm -hmm. And having been been involved, I felt like 
almost the boys hip hop teams in the area were the closest. It was close. It was the close. closest. But there was also, I feel like, some type of competition between them too. Um, maybe a good competition, but I do remember there being competition when I was in. I mean, this was ten years ago. Yeah. Maybe eleven. I don't know. But uh, the the fact that there's not a unified hip hop community so was weird. sad, um, and it is weird. But I also. Re- for like years of chasing that like why not attitude like you realize that my paycheck does not depend on if students go to my studio or not so if a studio owner is like I don't want to be a part of this like I can't really like like I, I can't understand that perspective so I think I've come to terms with not flaming it you know um, but I think that <laughs> I just remember there was a season where I was of like, I would say the four big studios around here, I was teaching at three of them at a single time. And I remember there were students that would like try out a class here and then they would not like the studio and then try out a class in another place. And I was like, hey, it's still me. Whether you like it or not, I'm gonna teach you hip hop, so get over (laughs) it. Um, It's great. So how do you, um, how do you feel like the, because I'm sure that, um, well, there are some people that are kind of like, I can think of two off the top of my head that started in like a high school dance team and years down the line they're either a yeah. owner or they started yeah. their own or whatever. Um, how do you think that like being in the dance team world, whether it was all male or didn't you work with anybody park too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working with other dance teams prepared you or like oh set, set up all, the path for this. So many opportunities everywhere that I've taught. I started teaching um when I was in college in Colorado um, at various studios and dance team stuff. And then when I moved here, taught at various studios and dance team. Any opportunity has been, it's it's like the journey of finding who you are as a choreographer, getting opportunities to, the more opportunities you get to set pieces, whether they're for competition or for stage or whatever it is, work with different groups of people, different levels different styles um working with different studio owners different coaches different directors all of it it's just more experience that's always going to you just get more knowledge more experience Mm -hmm. and you get more honestly I my parents um when I didn't stop dancing after high school their thing was like, okay, if you're not going to stop dancing, just open a studio so you can have a business and mm-hmm. make money. And I was like, no, because it's going to ruin it. It's going to ruin dance for me. And I love dancing so much. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Um, and I think after then all those years of teaching and coaching and everything, then it kind of turned into, um, well, I'm doing it all the time anyway, so might as well. But I did not, I would not have had the confidence or know who I was as a teacher, as a choreographer, and what, if I had opened a studio in college or right out of college, it would have kind of, I I think it probably would have been a mess because I wouldn't have known what direction I wanted to take it in and what I really wanted it to be about. And it probably Mm -hmm. just would have been, okay, we're going to just offer classes and all these different classes and there wouldn't have been a common thread. There wouldn't have been a grander vision. I think from 
all the experiences uh, like kind of brought me to know what I really wanted this place to be. Yeah. I feel... And really, my choreography... I mean, I look back and there were some things that were terrible <laughs> and there were some things that were great, but it was like such great opportunities as a choreographer to just Work those learn out. and grow. Yeah. Yeah. I feel uh, a similar way with uh, being a teacher because I know even though it's only my second year teaching, I'm 27 and a lot of the like young teachers at our school are a good like five years younger than me mm -hmm. and it makes me feel old even though like we're at a similar spot but I feel like my first like 10 years of my dance experience after high school was all like data mining you know like I had to like figure out who I was as a, yeah. as a dancer what was like almost like you have to fit you have to spend time to weigh like your value system yeah. like what is important to me and like why would I if I were to teach why were I why would I do it and like what am I comparing that off of mm -hmm. um I, I do that with my I think my kids think that I'm bragging but I, I'm not <laughs> but I like the first we just have just this our third week now but our first week and a half I do a lot of showing them my past work as like a hey your teachers don't like I know what I'm doing and yeah. I've I've had I've taught I've danced for this person I've done this um just to show them that like I I have this um, experience to draw from, you know? Like, I'm not making it all up in case they think that. You know, I feel like um, uh, when I was a younger teacher, obviously I was still learning and growing, and I did not... I know I, I'm a lot better now than I was before. Um, I know a lot more. But even when I first opened the studio... I remember kind of feeling like I had to prove myself. Um, and I remember my ballet teacher that I grew up with. She came out a few times um, to do some master classes and things like that. And I would kind of share that struggle with her of like, I feel like I'm, uh, I didn't even feel like I was so young, but I think I also looked really, really young. And people were like, oh, that's cute. Your parents, <laughs> your parents opened this studio for you. And I was like, no <laughs> and they were like oh how old are you 21 22 and I was like no I'm 31 um what you know that kind of thing but I remember she told me oh the older you get the more you're just gonna walk in the room and a parent will look at you and they're like okay I'm not gonna mess with her because she knows what she's doing or yeah, a kid's yeah. gonna be like yep she knows what she's doing she's like there's something great to to being older and to walking in the room. And I feel like I'm just starting to mm -hmm. get to that age where I'm like, I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. And you cannot question me on what I'm teaching you or yeah. what I'm asking you to do or who I'm hiring to teach you. Or I've been things. feeling that a lot recently. That's the nice thing uh, about, like, with my, um, my teaching position is... I feel like I have a very good reflective thing where it's like I know what I could improve on as a teacher. I know what I'm missing and I know my strengths and like just trying to work to, to figure that out. That's great. Working in like in dance studio spaces or choreography spaces or I don't know. I feel like coaching spaces, whatever. There are so many times where like I could just tell that either I wasn't being trusted or like 
not even trusted, but just people weren't sure or not familiar enough with hip hop to like understand what I was doing, you know? Yeah. And after at a certain point, I was like, every time it happened, I was just like, whatever. Like, it's, I'm not going to try to like change your mind because like, like what you said, like I've, I've been doing this for a long time now yeah. and I've been in these spaces and I've seen these things to where like, I don't need to, I don't need to convince you that like, Yep, the cipher is important you know like stuff like that interesting space to get to yeah to be in that mindset of like trust me i know what i'm yeah. doing and i know the value i'm bringing to this but i think too it's um that that having that mindset and develop because because i have been in situations where i've like banged my head against the wall to try to like change minds to be like yeah. These people need to understand. Yeah. And after so long of banging your head against the wall, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. We're, it's just not the fit or whatever it may yeah. be. Um, it feels really good <laughs> to yeah. get there where you're like, yeah. I'm so confident in what I'm doing that I've been like trying for, you know, however long and it still hasn't worked. So like instead of continuing to try because I'm so confident in my artistry or whatever you want to like name it as, I, I can just like step away and not be like mad about it, you know? Um, more like your loss, it's fine, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I was also going to mention, because we have, actually, I don't know if you realize, we've both shared a, t- a job title, which is uh, the all-male dance coach of mm-hmm. Thousand Oaks High School, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even if I did it for one year. Um, I find myself many, many times, I don't want to say it's difficult, it's just different navigating being a male teacher in a dance spaces where most of the time it is female dominant. And then even now in like a school setting to navigate like how females view me as their, their teacher, literally mm-hmm. telling them what to do with their body sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes me think a lot. How do you feel like you navigated being a female in an all male dance? Oh my gosh, that so that I wasn't even supposed to do. Um, Didn't you do it for like six years? Yeah, but uh, the other coach, so the other, the original all-male coach was actually my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And we, um, he got hired to do the all-male stuff. And then we were doing co-ed stuff together. We were trying to start a co-ed program. Mm -hmm. And then he got hired for a job and had to leave for a while. So it was like, okay, you're just going to take this over while he's gone. But then he just never came back to it. Um, It was kind of an ongoing joke, actually, with the boys. But I was like, I had never taught boys before. Mm -hmm. Because all the studio settings and the dance team settings I had ever coached for were always girls. So I was like, what do I do with this? The hip-hop part was fun. Like, I love love hip-hop. And I, if anything, I go towards, like, a more masculine style. So... Um, that was no problem, like the dancing and the movement. But I'm like, for me, my biggest thing was like, how am I going to relate? Yeah. <laughs> this is the, the strangest thing. And they'd be, I had never done sports in my life. I knew nothing of like, so the all-male team was interesting because the way they approached it, I assume, is like how guys are on sports teams. Yeah. Like how they treat each other and just kind of like the the messing around and the... Um, just and not boys. even in a disrespectful way, just no. boys. 
but it was so interesting because I it, it was a while that I, I just was like I don't know and how are they gonna listen to me and mm-hmm. pay attention to me and if I'm asking them to do something or like work harder or do it again full out uh, if I'm screaming I don't sound that intimidating it's I don't know but then what ended up happening is like I almost I feel like I just like became one of the boys mm-hmm. like <laughs> my mannerisms and my way of relating with them it's like it's like you have to meet a student where they're at to then even just relate as a human being to then be able like I heard you talking with Cameo about this like you have to first create the trust and the um that kind of like relationship where you can then be able to actually start teaching something mm-hmm. Because you can't start teaching something if you first, if they wanted to be there. It's not that they didn't want to be there. They weren't required to be there. Mm -hmm. It was by choice. But there has to be a level of like, why am I wanting to work hard for this person? Why am I wanting Mm -hmm. to trust this person? Why am I wanting to like, I uh, have always just done weird choreography and different things and things that other people aren't doing so a lot of the things that they competed was not what everyone else was doing and I had to get a lot the first year was what everyone else was doing it was like copy and paste find a theme do the sections funny section in the middle um make it cool whatever but then after that I kind of started going all right well I'm gonna do what I really want to do and it was because I had kind of started building their trust. Right. And um, just like in me as a teacher and choreographer. And it was really just, <laughs> I had to like become one of the boys. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. And something I, and I know you didn't even ask about this, but something I learned that was so interesting to me from teaching them. There was something so different about the boys and the girls where there was no self-judgment of I can't do this or um, I'm not capable or that's too hard or um, they're watching me Mm -hmm. and I never even realized that that's the approach that girls had until I started coaching the Mm -hmm. boys and the improvement was like so fast and so phenomenal from people that couldn't even like walk on the beat like count music like literally had no experience with anything and just watching the open-mindedness and the um kind of like lack of that whole lack of self-judgment that just allowed them to be open to trying something and doing something and i'm sure they got made fun of by the rest of the school. And I'm sure their friends that did not dance made fun of them all the time. But um, while they were in class, like there was like nothing holding them back. Mm -hmm. And then I would teach the girls and it would be everything. Everything was like a mental block. Everything was a mental block. And that's when I realized... um, like I really saw that difference and then I kind of started trying to work with girls towards 
first and foremost eliminating the mental block to be able to even have some sort of improvement but still to this day I I just I from coaching the boys and from working with it for so many years I just I still see it like guys even if it's a one guy at the studio or one guy at dance class or one guy at convention or whatever it is and you just see them and you're like how did they get you you'll hear oh they've only been dancing for two years or whatever mm-hmm. how did they get so good so fast and that was one thing that was so interesting to me. Yeah. Coaching that versus coaching the girls. I can speak really, to that. Really, really interesting. <laughs> I can speak to that because I started dancing when I was 17. I feel like you, when you're a guy and you start dancing that late, at least, I don't know, for me, I gave up on like trying. I knew because I was dancing late, I was like, I'm not going to be good at this. So let me just like do it because it's fun. And like it's a mm. skill that I can work towards and... I'm enjoying it and people are celebrating me even if I'm looking silly like because <laughs> one of the videos that I showed my kids was my first solo in my senior year of high school and I was like oh my god like just watching it and like embarrassed um but even in that people were oh, still yeah. like you're killing it yeah. Ricky and I was like yeah, cool totally. um so to be in that space to have people celebrating the fact that you're even there makes it to where like you want to be oh, there you know that's so because like i played football and i loved football and i was pretty good at football and i only i only really stopped uh i'm sure my friends back in the day would be like no it's because you sucked and we would just you know <laughs> argue but i only really stopped because i was like oh people are getting bigger and i'm not like i was this size oh, when i was okay. a sophomore so i was like i need to go find something else to do because i'm gonna get hurt like i, I had like two injuries that sophomore year because people were like big you know um but I was like, oh, I'm getting yelled at in football. I'm like, I don't even think That's I'm really so valued anymore. But when I come to dance, people are like, yay, you know. You're so right. Anywhere yeah. in the dance world, when there's boys dancing, yeah. Yeah. The the teachers, the students, audience, yeah, you're, like, very well received. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I think it actually does help, too. Like, something that I'm, I'm challenged, uh, I find challenging with my teaching, uh, where I'm teaching now is there is no, like, um, uh, reference point to anybody, anybody, girls or guys, of what a dance program looks like because they've never had a a group of dancers. So, like, if you're a guy at Thousand Oaks High School, you can look at the Thousand Oaks dance team, you can see how seriously they take it, and you're like, okay, that's what dance looks like, you know? Um, My, I... Yeah, my kids, they, even the girls are like, I'm embarrassed because, like, I don't know that this is, like, to them, it's not normal to just go up and dance. Yeah. We were, <laughs> we were doing isolations yesterday, and I was, one of the isolations is a hip isolation. Yeah. Yeah. And every class, without fail, the boys are like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> and I'm like, why is this weird to you? Like, it's, they're just not used to seeing that stuff. Um, but I think if you have a structured place in which it's normal and you are only celebrated, it's like, oh, this is awesome. I want to come back. So then that makes me think that really makes me think that even though it's, it's a typical girl dance is a typical girl sport activity, art, whatever. Um, and I think, yeah, if a, if a, a new dancer, a new female dancer walks into the room you're not like, yes, you're yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. And we're so glad you're here. <laughs> like, we're like, okay, yeah, yeah. C- come into class. And a boy walks in and you're like, yeah, we yeah. have a boy in class. Yeah. So maybe um, maybe doing that a little more equal encouragement, 
and I never thought of that, that yeah. perspective. Well, I know um, I had mentors my senior year that would intentionally put me in situations and they would tell me they're like, you, you need to, in, we're putting you here because we want you, in, want you to inspire our other dancers. And I was like, I've been dancing for like six months. What are you talking about? And I didn't get it then. But now I'm like, oh, it's, yeah. I literally didn't care yep. about like looking good. I yep. just wanted to like enjoy myself. Yep. And that's like a good trait to have. I think it's a good trait to have as a dancer. Yep. Um, I think discipline is important, but also like a childlike like wonder about it mm-hmm. is key, especially in hip hop. You got to mm-hmm. not be afraid to look goofy. Look, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just self-judgment. Well, um... What, I, I guess our, my last question could mm-hmm. be, what do you think gets in the way, and you could, see, you could view this question as a couple of different ways because of your hat, but what do you think is the biggest thing that gets in the way of you doing your job well? Like, that, like the biggest outside factor where you're like, this is annoying. My, okay, what aspects of my job? I don't know. I think right now, and just right now, this past six months, behavioral management is the one thing totally. where I'm like, I'm not used to having to convince somebody to be here. So yes. I have to like get well, this kid quiet and then have them on the dance class, you know? Okay, we can go on that. Um, <laughs> I think COVID has kind mm-hmm, of sure. had, you're jumping in right now post-COVID. Mm-hmm. So you also didn't get the experience Regardless, with children, with middle school, mm-hmm. um, behavioral management is always a thing. When I was an uh, elementary school teacher, that's what I was worst at. Mm-hmm. Worst at. And then it made everything, oh, it made everything so hard. But I think that was kind of, it came more from, I want everybody to like me and I want them all to yeah. like me first and foremost. Instead of, I need to run my classroom efficiently first and foremost. So I'm okay now with running my classroom efficiently first and foremost Mm -hmm. but um behavioral management has been different since covid just because everybody lost all of their social interactions and then they had to readjust to social interactions in different ways and now we're like oh the world is normal be normal but developmentally yeah there were like really important developmental years yeah whether um, I can I can go through each age group for you and yeah, what yeah. I see that has changed developmentally, um, that is going to take some time to reconcile. So I think it's like a balance of trying to be patient with it, but also like we can't just be wild and crazy all the time. Yeah. Um, so it's been an interesting kind of readjustment to that, and I think I... I think me and any teacher, educator, and, like, kind of any sector, like, we kind of have to re-remind ourselves that we're adults and we had to handle this huge life change for a really long amount of time that threw us for a loop. So how, what did that do to kids? Mm-hmm. And then that's just showing up in yeah. a lot of different ways. It still yeah. shows up in different ways. And that's even with... Here at the studio, people choose to be here. That is that is your biggest difference between school and studio. People choose to be here. Once in a while, a parent makes their kid do it. They don't last very long if mm-hmm. the parent is making their kid do it. But um, 
even in the choice to be here, it's just been di- it's been very different behaviorally yeah. since pre-COVID. Weird. Like things that we never <clears throat> had to like worry about, think about, struggle with, um, and sometimes we feel. It's not just me; it's all the teachers. Sometimes we feel like we are being really, really harsh, mm. or really getting down, down on them. Um, but it's kind of like th- I think our goal for this year is kind of like to reteach. <laughs> classroom etiquette and behavioral expectations and I've been helping um, more than ever in the last few years kids like navigate personal relationships and social interactions of things that kind of like they could handle on their own before that now things come up and they turns into a huge thing or they don't know how to handle it um it's kind of yeah it's tough. Yeah, it's we, been really interesting. We've noticed that too. The our sixth graders now they're coming in feel like babies. Like they're yeah. so immature, and yeah. and not in a necessarily a bad way, but just like they feel very young. And yeah. I'm like, well, they had like well, two and like years our taken. high school kids still get panic attacks before school starts, going back yeah. to school. Yeah, like it's it's like a huge. It's it's been it's really made a huge difference, yeah. kind of in everything. And that's even saying that this this has constantly been their safe space mm-hmm. throughout all of it. Yeah. And there's still readjustments. We, this reminds me of a conversation you and I had like five years ago. But what do you think? What do you think is the most? If you could narrow it down to one thing, which you're not gonna, and that's fine. If you, could, <laughs> what do you think is the most important thing that a child like walks away from here with? Like knowing who they are, being confident in who they are, and. I mean, I, I tr- we also try to, to instill, uh, like, life skills through situations that they have through dance. But really, really, truly for me, it's like being a whole person who, like, feels good from the inside and takes something with them that they can carry through life, whether they dance or not. Um that just kind of helped helped shape like this experience helped shape them for mm-hmm. what's going to come next. Yeah. I mean, I my best friend that I grew up with, she doesn't dance anymore. She danced um through college and we'll have conversations of so many things that come up for her just in life and work with family at home, friends, just life that dance shaped her mm-hmm. into who she is and she recognizes that all the time she's yeah. like even though i'm not still i'm still not you know i'm not still a dancer but i of of anything in her life that's like the one yeah. thing that made the biggest impact and for me if i can if a kid when they end their journey at the studio whether it's graduating high school and going on to what they're doing next or they dance for a few years and now they want to try something else like whatever it is um if they walk out of these doors a I don't want to say better because I don't know what better really is but like a stronger um more clear person in who they are confident in who they are um 
that's just that's that's really what it's about dance yeah. is like the dance is the tool it's the avenue it could be sports it could be art it could be anything this is just the avenue that we're using for that so to me my success isn't necessarily a professional dancer that is famous and doing whatever whatever if that's what they want to do then yes and if, if that's what they're pursuing um but just that it's made like a positive impact on their life mm-hmm. that's what it's really about that's awesome i came well I, when i came in the intensive i was so happy to show up a little i sort of like 10 minutes early just like listening to the kids and like seeing them eat and stuff it was so nice and then as i was leaving i i don't know it's just you guys have fostered such a place of like love and joy here i and people it, tell me that and me i'm so always happy. like okay good it's working and i was like okay <laughs> good okay good it's working because it it that's really that's just really what i want yeah because i grew up i grew up dance can be super super competitive sure. not just between studios but within the studio yeah, yeah. And I always had that feeling um, with the people that I danced with. And, but dance is just like a part of my soul in a different way that it's healing. And I just want to bring mm. that out more. Yeah. Like I said, it's working. You're doing great. Thank you. I'm happy for you. Um, do you have any, I don't know, anything you want to plug or anything people should go look anything at? Anything I want to plug? Um, sure. If you're in the area, we're Spire Dance Studio, and yeah. if our vibe fits you, we'd love to have you dance with us. Um, AspireDanceStudio.com. Aspire Dance Studio on Instagram, right? Yeah. Aspire underscore Dance Studio. Alexia Leales. It's yeah. great. Cool. I don't know. That's Thanks it. Thanks so much. That's Thank it. Thank you. Bye. Yay. <laughs>